First, you must realize that you have no idea before you can know the idea. We scan across all the frequencies if we want to learn anything new. Let us begin. What has physics done for me lately? Furthermore, the equation E is equal we have now acquired a fateful power to alter and to destroy nature. That's like when you're in physics and you get a dream about saying, oh, this is a physics excursion. What is it all about? The whole of human history all falls in the dust of one stroke of the nail file. You can't really get to grips with evolution unless you realize uh, what an enormous amount of time. Our own planet is only a tiny part of the vast cosmic tapestry, a starry fabric of worlds yet untold. Good morning! You are tuned into what could only be described as the best radio station on Earth for Triple Z. Be it on your conventional wireless radio by tuning into the classic frequency 102.1 FM, digital devices such as DAB or smart speaker, or streaming us live from our sensational website at 4ZZZ.org.au. And of course, you can always listen back to us or any 4ZZZ show using the ingenious on-demand feature or through our new podcast, which you can find everywhere that podcasts are at. <laughs> The show is, of course, No Idea, spelt with a K, your weekly dose of science. Woo! And I'd like to start off by acknowledging that we're broadcasting on what always was and always will be Jagra and Turable lands, the sovereignty over which was never ceded, and appreciating that these have always been lands of knowledge, sharing, music, and of science. This week, all the adults <laughs> are gone. The kids yeah! have taken over the studio. Woo! Um, Max, Gabe and Peter are off doing their own things, which means it's just me, Jay, and Izzy taking you through to 12pm. <laughs> but we'll still oh. have all your favourite segments. We'll be talking weird science, marine science, space science, even car science. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and between that, we'll be chatting about the great Australian bird-off, humans versus dogs, and smelly monkeys. Izzy, how are you this morning? So chaotic. If you so thought chaotic. this was going to be... If you thought normal no idea was weird, wait until you hear <laughs> no idea with no adults. This is just... It's, we're running amok in the studio today. Because it's you and me, yeah. Jay and Izzy. It is the no idea Jizzy, Jizzy edition. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's going to get wild. It's, it's going to get, get weird. freaky. <laughs> oh, God. So, yeah, if you hear... Look, if we have some radio silence, if we have some overlapping audio, it's just no idea, man. We're just making you some weird stuff You're tuned into 4 Triple Z and we just hear... I knew I did. I am Oh, it's it's the it's the golden egg of four triple Z. Golden egg of four triple. Just a reminder of how high the standards are for no idea. You're listening on four triple Z, one hundred two point one FM. Um, we got all the bits and bobs on, <laughs> so just making sure all our mics are on. Um, yeah, and we're gonna do a little bit of this. We're doing, being the one to do it now. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Jay. Yes. And the text line, by the way, um, if you want to text in before I answer this question, uh, 0420 humans versus hyenas. Who would win? I have to say hyenas, right? Hyenas? Okay. I saw the Lion King. Those guys are like... <laughs> <laughs> they're like pretty when they wild. do the little musical number and it gets like the evil green yes, surrounding it dude. yeah so i would not mess with that yeah text line humans versus <laughs> hyenas 
Look, I'll be honest. This was... I'm, I'm going to say humans just because we are a little bit more... Okay, parameters. Are we okay. talking like humans sweep into a field, guns blazing? Or are we talking about a guy and a hyena in a cage? We are talking prehistoric. We oh. are talking like hands and fists. Well, I guess... Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm thrown now. Okay, well, I'll, I'll read out what I'm referencing. Okay, so, please do. So... Uh, humans versus hyenas, that's what the uh, National Research Centre on Human Evolution is trying to work out. The team of researchers have modelled various groups of ancient humans against big scavengers to find out who are the alpha dogs. <laughs> <It's> so <And> funny. <laughs> like I said, we're not talking about our modern day folks with, you know, our fancy machinery and our nuclear subs or whatever, but instead our ancient ancestors in the old group of the hominis. Um, these can be further broken down into those subfamilies, homos, which are us. <laughs> um, <laughs> And pans. Sorry. (laughs) I mean, and pans yourself. Um, (laughs) As I found out, which also, by the way, a plural of pan, like chimpanzees. Yeah. Paninis, like P A N I N I. Anyway. Chimpaninis. Chimpaninis. (laughs) Anyway. So those are our two subcategories that Mm -hmm. we're talking about, the hominis. Um, Additionally, homini also refers to the extinct members of our human lineage, which, which is our Neanderthals. This study painted a picture of hominis versus giant hyenas from the late to early Plantocene era, which was about 1.2 to 0.8 million years. (laughs) Someone just texted in hyena. Um, (laughs) Yes. Yes. So they looked at the idea of hominis, so our kind of prehistoric group, against giant hyenas from about 1.2 to 0.8 million years ago in southern Europe. What was the reward, you might ask? Why are we finding the hyenas? Saber-toothed cats and jaguar carcasses. So ah. the leftovers of those animals, whatever they've got, whatever they didn't want to eat, we were fighting over with these hyenas. Right. And they found that our old human species, sa- like scavenging in groups with five or more individuals, could successfully chase off giant hyenas, okay. while smaller groups were only able to survive if there was enough carcass to go around. Okay. So the model suggested that the most optimal group for scavenging was over 10, but less than 13 for the ideal scaring to sustenance ratio. Okay, so if you want to scavenge with your friends, if you yep. and your friends want to go scavenging, 10, 10, 10, 10 is perfect, but not yeah. too many, not 13. Okay. 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 I feel like this is like going thrifting with someone where it's like <laughs> the ideal group where there's enough meat for everyone to share, <laughs> but it's enough to like scare off everyone else. Uh-huh. So together the findings suggested that moderately sized groups of late to early hominis in southern Europe may have been able to regularly obtain food by scavenging for carcasses, even with competition with giant hyenas. They also speculate that scavenged remains may have been an important source of meat and fat for our species, especially in winter when plant resources were scarce. So... The correct answer is humans in and between in the, right ten, ratio. In the right ratio. <laughs> <laughs> I love to. I love the idea that there's like an optimal ratio of like scaring to scavenging, like yeah. proportions. Yeah, that's really interesting. So that's my weird science. Cool. The answer is humans if there's more than th- like ten. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What about you, Jim? My weird science. I'm talking about critically endangered monkeys in Brazil, pied Ooh. tamarins. Um, now we know monkeys. We know my thoughts on monkeys, but but monkeys, I they frighten me. Oh, okay, <laughs> I'm scared of them. Oh. But they're sort of known for 
being loud, mm-hmm. screeching at each other, mm-hmm. shouting at each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but this study was looking at ways that the vocal calls of tamarins have changed in the Brazilian forest because of noise pollution. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. So these tamarins, um, they live really close to sort of urban areas mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. things like just the noise from the highway and that sort of thing is drowning out their calls to each other. So they can't mm-hmm. actually hear each other as well when they're trying to figure out where to go and, and meet up with their group and all of that. Mm-hmm. So this was a... Um, and also for calling out danger to each other, which is like an important part. So not part. just talking, but also like yeah. wider communication. Yeah, exactly. Um, so... This research comes out of the Federal University of the Amazons, and I didn't look up the QS ranking. I'm sorry, Max. He's going to burst <laughs> in the door. <laughs> We're going to get a call from the telephone. Just <laughs> I didn't look up the QS ranking. Um, he literally sent a message a to the group. QS ranking, yeah. question mark, yeah. Sorry. But um, this group spent a year um, just following groups of tamarins. They usually uh, bunch up in groups of around 10, mm-hmm. so I guess they could... <laughs> beat the hyenas. <laughs> um, but they tracked these groups from November 2018 to December 2019 while also, like, um, they tracked them using radio collars but also physically followed them around. Mm-hmm. They measured the loudness of the calls. The other thing that they... What they ended up noticing that they were doing was that the monkeys were rubbing their chest and lower parts on the ground and trees. It was spreading an odorous, waxy substance to signal the direction that they were heading. Whoa. So basically what they're finding is that in order to sort of combat the fact that their calls are being drowned out, they're also starting to rely on leaving smell signals to guide each other through the forest. That's cool as hell. Yeah, so taking a, um, like one um, sense that is being sort of adversely affected by human interference and replacing it with something else. Now, obviously, smell is not as instant or as effective as like shouting at someone, <laughs> but they did find that, that it's not like they replaced calling with leaving smells um they did both so they kind of um they compared it to like being in a really loud party Mm -hmm. like maybe instead of just shouting to get your friend's attention you'd shout and wave as well okay yeah so it's that idea of just like bringing this new element into it to get other people's attention other monkeys attention attention and um drag them along so yeah that's cool as hell it's pretty fascinating no you know what mac oh my god i just called you max um (laughs) um went to the valley on the weekend and i feel like that's relatable (laughs) within regards to like communicating across to someone because you can't yell because it just it gets drowned out by noise pollution so yeah were you leaving smells for your friends (laughs) 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 although some people were on the dance floor jesus Uh, (laughs) (laughs) all right yeah that's right (laughs) well you should be worried max because if we if we get a robot that just sits there and laughs you're basically a Hey, you're listening to Four Triple Z, one hundred two point one FM. Just remembering Max. Not dead, he's just away. (laughs) We did. We finally got rid of Max. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Uh, yeah, you're listening to Four Triple Z, one hundred two point one FM. Um, it's the Jizzy episode (laughs) where it's just Jay and Izzy (laughs) hanging out, taking over the deck. Thank you for the text in, Mr. Stalin, by the way. The ranking of 269 for Jay's uh, previous story. Yes, the QS the ranking. QS ranking. Of Thank you. Very powerful. At least one of us knows what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. And I believe it's Chris as well saying uh, that the current hyenas for my human versus hyena story, current hyenas are fucking huge as well. They are. Which is massive. Massive if true. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, obviously, 
we've both done our stories, so it's time to chuck over to our good friend Max, who has submitted a weird science. Max cannot be here right now, um, so we're taking over the deck, and we're. I'm just gonna intro Max's. Should I do intro for the. I might as well. Do a little spin. Yes. Sorry, Dave. Take, Take it away, away Max. Max. My weird science for this week is not necessarily weird, but weird I did not know about this technology. When it comes to the electricity grid, battery storage generally uses lithium ion to store excess energy. But what if I was to tell you about an alternative battery chemistry that will soon be commercially available? One that can run for tens of thousands of cycles, has a maintenance-free lifespan of over 30 years, and the promise of never catching on fire. Sounds too good to be true? Stay listening and I will introduce you to nickel-hydrogen batteries. Nickel-hydrogen battery chemistry was developed back in the 70s and was primarily chosen by the space industry because there was no real other alternative. Lithium-ion was still in its infancy and only lasted for around 200 charge cycles, while lead-acid batteries lasted for only 500 cycles. Nickel-hydrogen batteries also look and work pretty much unlike any other battery. They consist of a stack of electrodes inside a pressurized gas tank. The cathode is nickel hydroxide and the anode is hydrogen. When the battery is charging, a catalytic reaction generates hydrogen gas. During discharge, the hydrogen oxidizes and converts back to water. The main issue with trying to commercialize the chemistry was the use of the very expensive platinum catalysts, putting it out of reach for most. Well, that's until five years ago when Stanford, QS ranking, five, materials science and engineering professor YQE and his team found an inexpensive nickel molybdenum cobalt alloy catalyst that costs only $20 per kilogram. To put that in perspective, platinum currently sells for around $30,000 per kilogram. Doing the math, that's a generous saving of $29,980,000. Last month, a startup founded by YQE back in 2020 showed off its latest nickel hydrogen batteries. Tanks measuring 1.8 meters long and 15 centimeters wide with an energy capacity of 3 kilowatt hours. The forgiving nature of the chemistry is such that if the pressure continues to rise past the maximum predefined tank pressure, it forces the recombination of hydrogen back into water. Unlike lithium-ion batteries, there is no mechanism for thermal runaway. In the extreme event, the battery does experience a sudden spike in pressure. A failsafe valve simply releases pressure in the form of steam. Another advantage of the battery is the chemistry works across a wide temperature range between negative 40 degrees Celsius right up to 60 degrees Celsius. That means any given battery storage installation requires no costly heating, air conditioning, ventilation, or fire suppression systems, all of which require their own maintenance and upkeep. By the end of this year, the startup hopes to finish construction of a 93,000 square kilometer gigafactory in Kentucky that will start making up to five gigawatt hours worth of nickel hydrogen batteries annually. At full capacity, the facility is expected to produce around 20 gigawatt hours worth of cells per year. Eventually, the company hopes to become a major provider of alternative stationary storage serving power plants, businesses, and homes globally. And I, for one, am looking forward to purchasing my new low-maintenance, non-flammable 
off-grid solution. Very cool, Max. Thank you for sending that in. I definitely listen to all of that. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's really cool. Um, Batteries have always been very limiting within regards to off-grid maintenance. So very excited to hear about that. Anyway, um, we're going to intro Gabe's story as well. And Jay, do you know a little bit about this story from the the master of science himself? Yes, I'm upset. (laughs) I'm upset because I wanted to do this story so badly and it matters so much to me but I'm gonna let Gabe have it but if I haven't listened to this recording yet and if it's not told in the most beautiful way possible I'm going to fly down to Sydney and beat his ass anyways he says shout out to Curtin University QS ranking 217 for this one what you're about to hear is remarkable That is the sound of one of Australia's most iconic animals. Except unlike the laughing kookaburras and the squawking cockatoos, unlike the bellowing koalas and the grunting roos, that animal you just heard wasn't known to vocalise sounds before. This sound is one of just a handful of recordings that were released a few days ago in the Journal of Zoology. It's some of the first definitive evidence that this animal does actually vocally communicate and the scientific paper that made the discovery is titled Sound Production in the Short-Beaked Echidna. Yep, echidnas make noises and we've only just discovered them, but to fully appreciate how remarkable that actually is and what it means for the evolution of how you and I talk, you're going to need to know three things about echidna sex. Which does mean we're about to get down and dirty with some scientifically dirty language about Australia's ant-eating spike balls. If you're not up for that, you've been warned. Fact number one of three, echidna reproduction is very intense. When an adult male echidna emerges from their winter hibernation, the race is on. They have a very small window to reproduce. They have just a few weeks to find and impress as many females as they can. Some of the Tasmanian echidnas don't even wait for the hibernation to be over. The males will find females who are still hibernating. They'll wake up, do the woohoo, and then females put the pregnancy on pause so they can go back to hibernating. Other echidnas in some locations will start what's called mating. Trains. Mating trains are where males, I think it could be up to 11 or so males in a row, all follow a female in a big line. The trains behind a female can last about two to six weeks, each individual male usually hanging on for just one of those weeks or so, and it can get very argy-bargy in those trains. Some other males will also guard females before and after copulation, all to say the window for males and female echidnas to come together and make more echidnas is short and can get very competitive, which means understanding everything that goes on in that window is very important to knowing why echidnas choose certain mates and how they interact with each other. What was interesting about the recent research into echidna sounds is all of their vocalizations happened during the breeding season and that may mean these sounds they make play a role in helping them find and select mates. For fact number two of three, I'm going to level with you. The second fact doesn't really have anything to do with these sounds that echidnas are making during reproduction, but it is something that you just need to know at some point in your life. If you've heard this echidna sex fact already, then you know what I'm about to say. If you haven't, this is a moment in your life. You're about to join the people who walk around with this knowledge. The best gate-kept echidna fact there is. You ready? Male echidnas have four-pronged penises. Our beloved prickly Pokemon are housing a Hydra downstairs. The males will use two at a time when they get down to business, but they've got four. We aren't sure why, but they do. Again, doesn't really have anything to do with the sounds that researchers recently recorded echidnas making during their reproduction period. But I mean, listen to this male traipsing around and tell me this isn't the sound of an echidna who knows he's packing enough to have a couple spares. 
So echidnas have short competitive mating seasons and it seems to be the one and only time of year when they vocalize, communicating with each other using wheezes, huffs, grunts and cooing as they find mates. But why does that matter for how humans evolve to vocally communicate? Well, that brings us to number three, the third and last fact you need to know about echidna reproduction. Echidnas lay eggs. Alongside the platypus, they are the only mammals to lay eggs that are still alive today, a distinctly reptilian trait. Most mammals, the placental mammals like us, have evolved out of laying eggs like our reptilian dinosaur age ancestors did. The monotremes though, the group whose only living members are those echidnas and platypuses, still lay the egg. This discovery that echidnas vocalize to communicate means mammal communication probably emerged before a common ancestor that we share with echidnas. As in the timeline goes, early mammals learn to vocalize to communicate with each other, then the monotreme egg layers split up with the evolutionary line that led to us placental mammals. That means the first mammal vocalization that led to how I'm talking to you right now emerged probably somewhere between 100 and 200 million years ago. Mammal vocals from the occasional coos of an echidna to the complex conversations of humans are all at least 100 million years in the making and I think that makes us both pretty special. You can read more about the sounds and sex lives of echidnas by searching up in the conversation Wildcare and the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance Library. This is no idea. Your weekly dose of science on 4ZZZ Radio. And that is what we now know is the sound of a horned up echidna. That's the best. I think that's the best story we've ever I done on the show. Wait, that's an automatic highlight reel for the end Gabe, of this year. Gabe, yeah. Outdone yourself. Outdone yourself, Gabe. That was really good. That was really good. If in case you want to read some. <laughs> I'm really glad that I didn't do this story no. now because it would have been so lame in comparison. <laughs> well, I'm so sorry to burden that knowledge onto. Wow. Thanks, Gabe. Ever the pleasure to hear about horned up echidnas there we go. they are funny little animals alright do you have a favourite 4 Z show oh <laughs> it would be you know what I would love to say that it was uh, Zed Geist don't say Zed Geist or, 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 <laughs> don't or, say or it <laughs> or even Rhinestone Cowgirl mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. Liminal Space but you know what we're going to have to go with the uncancelable no idea oh Beautiful. I learn so much. That's such a great choice. I also mm. love tuning in every week. Um, I mean, it's had such a special place in everyone's hearts over the years. At the moment, I I love the F1 updates <laughs> that yeah. Max puts in. <laughs> I'm a big fan of those. <laughs> um, they are, are uncancelable, Lucy. That's just the way it is. And it's a great show. <laughs> Uncancelable. Uncancelable. <laughs> You're listening to 4ZZZ 102.1 FM. This is no idea. It's spelt with a K. Yeah, uncancelable. And we're the only ones in the studio this <sighs> this week. And the reason for that, usually we would have the master of science, Gabe himself, ringing in. Mm-hmm. But he's off at somewhere pretty special. Where is he? Ooh, well, it's someone's very exciting. Um, how would you describe it? Peter. Well, Peter is officially... Master? Yeah, graduating. graduating. We now have a Master of Marine Science um, so as well joining the, f- the team. Friendly Neighbourhood Master, master of Marine, Marine Science. Scientist, yeah. A lovely Peter <laughs> who has managed to send in a story for us as well. So please enjoy this next story. The from first story the from, first the master from the Master of Marine, master Marine Science. Marine Scientist. God, it's got a good ring to it. <laughs> it does. We'll see you shortly. As if your Friendly Neighbourhood Marine Scientist needed another reason to love whales, one has surfaced through the form of Helping. 
which is a delightful new term for a thing that we've really only recently been able to witness at scale, which is whales playing with kelp and other seaweeds. It's honestly as cute as you think it is. The whales sort of like lift the often quite large seaweed up and onto the flat part of their upper heads known as their rostrum. And they just sort of like balance it there. They've also been seen to share their kelp patches with other whales, like rolling, lifting and balancing the seaweed together. But for something so interesting, there isn't actually that much scientific literature. In fact, social media has documented instances of this far, far more. Which is exactly why the researchers from Griffith University went online to try and figure out what kelping was and why exactly whales would do it. And they found over 100 different kelping events that have been captured and put online. It's not just humpbacks either. There's grey whales, southern and right whales have all been captured doing this. And it's a big thing too. Like they don't just pick it up and throw it away. These whales have been seen to savour their toys for up to an hour at a time, which is kind of crazy because well like it's clearly not necessary for survival and because watching these giant animals find what seems to be pure joy in this seaweed patch is just adorable and kind of odd but how do we even know if a behavior has a deeper purpose or whether it's simply play well i mean obviously we can never really know an animal's intentions however we can make a pretty good guess with the following criteria number one it must be voluntary and enjoyable. Now, the enjoyable bit is, again, not really a quantitative thing per se, but, you know, most behavioural scientists can sort of tell whether an animal is in distress or not. So they have to do it by choice with no necessity to it, and they have to be kind of at ease. Number two, it has to be different to more serious behaviours, which essentially just means the difference between your dog play fighting and actually fighting. You know, it's not actually that hard to tell the difference, even as another species. If your dog is actually fighting, you will know about it. And number three, the animals can't seem hungry or stressed. No hanger in the house, you know? And this is something that animals will usually do repeatedly. And if it's similar to another behaviour, like fighting, it can kind of be seen as practice, like when kittens play fight, it's practicing for when they're older and they have to do the real thing against some other cat. But quite clearly, these whales aren't doing a less serious version of a real behaviour. This is, like, what would they even be practicing for? But that doesn't mean that there's no benefit to this behaviour. All play is useful, whether it's just the stimulation of the brain or boosting their coordination and movement skills. But the researchers also think that it might provide the whales skin benefits, literally like a seaweed wrap. Obviously, we know that seaweed can be beneficial for human skin. I mean, it's in so many cosmetics. But we also just know that some species have generally been found to reduce bacterial growth, which could be useful for whales because they actually have quite a lot of bacteria in their skin. They end up shedding it very quickly. Or it may even help them get rid of like early barnacles and sea lice and other parasites that they don't want digging into them and hitching a ride. Regardless of what this is for, what we do know is that we are likely to see more of this as non-invasive cameras such as drones continue to be developed and used by the public. Which is great, because I can say for a fact that my life desperately needs more of these kelping videos in it. So get to looking. Thanks, Peter. Our wonderful neighbourhood master marine scientist. Now. Yes, and congratulations on graduating. graduating. So awesome. It really is really awesome. We'd love to see it. Yeah. So, Jay, yes. serious question. Yes. Have you been voting in the Guardian's birds voting? Oh, Do you know see. what? I haven't. What? I haven't been voting in it. Oh, oh, resident but I'm bird. going to now. <laughs> I know. Resident well, bird nerd. I saw, I went down to um, Sydney for mm. a, a, a wedding for my family mm. and I saw a crimson rosella mm. and I almost started crying. 
Oh, it was very beautiful. It was really beautiful. I saw your, fo- your post on your story. It was yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. But voting closes tomorrow. I know. And the winner announced <gasps> on Friday. So if you don't know what the hell we're talking about, mm. we're talking about the Guardian bird count. This kicked off end of September. Um, it is bird of the year. Every two years, the Guardian does um, bird polling. Yeah. Um, Australian bird of the year. Yeah. So basically the bottom five birds are eliminated at the end of each weekday with people being able to vote again in the next round. So it cracks open every morning. You can go through. I'm, I'm an underdog voter. Yeah. So whichever bird has the lowest votes, I'll vote for that little guy. Okay, yeah. But we've had some pretty big eliminations, including one that really cut straight to my heart, the ibis. Australian white ibis has been kicked out Not of the, the voting. Bin chicken. Or I was going for a bin chicken sweep, but <laughs> bin chicken bin sweep. <laughs> but we've had previous winners like your Aussie magpie, your mm. black fo- um, black throated finch, and your suburb fairy wren. You know, I'll say it right now. Oh no! I was surprised. I'm surprised that the magpie is as popular as it is because, yeah. I mean, I, everyone I know, it's all about the song. Yes, mm. they sound nice. I get that. I do. I just think there's... I, I don't know. that Like, it's a, a magpie. Especially in spring of all times. Like, yeah. there's polling to go through during spring where magpies are, like, a evil local enemy. <laughs> how... Yeah, I just say how dare. How dare they? Yeah, so, exactly. Um, yeah, so just a general reminder. Don't forget to vote. No, um, and let's talk over. Let's talk over who's left. And by the way, if you want to talk, uh, text in with your opinions about birds. We're going to talk about the the top uh, ten that are left. I think it Chris is. Already something? texted in saying the stone curlew. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm big one. Big. I always used to be scared of them. I, not the gorgeous little creatures, but like I I I went on like this school camp ages back, and I remember like during the uh, day I would run around and be like, oh my god, the curlews, they're so cute. And during the night, <gasps> I would just hear this whirring, <laughs> screeching death whale up. Mm, and, mm. and I was like, whatever bird that is, I hate it to death. And when I found out it was the same Aww. bird, it was a tragic day for me. I mean, I love curlews so much. I do. But at <laughs> night, there's something about Scary. the cold. that It just always gets under my skin. It really does. It really does. The number is 0420-626-733. Please text in and tell us your opinions text on these in. birds. I want the hottest takes. I want underdog voting. Mm-hmm. I want overdog voting. Mm-hmm. I want every voting. Overdog voting. <laughs> <laughs> overdog voting. <laughs> Did you know? So, yeah. Like I said, underdog voting. So today's underdog was the powerful owl. And uh-huh. I didn't know this, but turns out people in 2017, people were setting on like owl bots to bloat up the voting for the <laughs> owls. Owl bots. Which was I great. I love that. I love um, that. But it's kind of needed because they have been suffering from like forest habitat logging. So look, pick your underdog. I want a powerful owl sweep today. See, I... I, I don't care. I'm going to rig it. <laughs> I went in to vote for the kookaburra. Like, I'm on the website right now. I went in to vote for the kookaburra. I love kookaburras. Um, mm-hmm. I recently, you would have seen on my Instagram story where I post about birds all the time. I had a, a kookaburra, like a wild yeah. kookaburra come and sit on my shoulder and like hang out on my arm for a little bit. So and it was cool. actually the best day of my life. It was so beautiful. And they're so gorgeous. And I love them so much. Um, so kookaburra is really up there. But then I've also just seen the tawny frog mouth. I now, know. I love those freaks. The description <laughs> of it on the website is, is it an owl? No. Is it a Muppet? Possibly. <laughs> those things, I mean, they look like dinosaurs and they definitely look like Muppets. Um, and there's a tawny frogmouth that lives right near my, my house. I ran into her the other day. I was walking home and she was just hanging out. Um, 
I need to get her to sit on my shoulder and then I'll vote. Bring <laughs> her to the studio and we'll vote. Yeah. <laughs> we'll interview. But yeah, please drop on like theguardian.com in the mm. environment section. I don't think you can miss it. They've been having a banner for it every single um, day since the 30th of September. Please go vote. This is fun and this whimsical and just a little bit of fun. Um, Chris says the night screams of the curlew are comforting to them. Okay, um, well, you are <laughs> um, interesting. <laughs> So I want to see hot takes for birds. I want to see, what's your opinion on the magpie? What's your opinion on a willy wagtail? Mm, they're I gorgeous. Love, they are gorgeous. Well, who are you voting for? Oh, you already said the owl. Oh, I'm powerful mm. owl. I'm sorry, I'm an underdog. I'm still torn. I'm still torn. There's a lot of what, really nice birds on here. I like cocktails. the gang gang cockatoo. I said cocktails instead of cockatoo. <laughs> um, yeah, what type of cockatoo? Are we uh, a black cockatoo? Are we a black gang cockatoo, cockatoo and a gang gang cockatoo? They are pretty beautiful. <gasps> kookaburras as well. Wow. Yeah, that's the thing. That's where I'm torn. Mm-mm. Yes. Love birds. Yes. Love these little weirdos. Yes. They're so funny. And the descriptions are great as well. So I think this whole show is a science experiment. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, let's let's just get into the science. Our safe space. Triple Z. We want to appeal to your senses. Hey, hey, hey. You're listening to 4ZZZ. Uh, 102.1 FM, listening to No Idea. It's the Jizzy episode with Jay and Izzy. The Jizzy edition. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Jay? What? Literally, tomorrow will be my first full year at Zed. Wow. So I found my cal- my old, uh, my went through my Google calendar and I was like, oh, my first ever Zed line was technically a year ago. Um, coming that in. So cute. I do not miss coming in at 7 a.m. <laughs> so, like, I can barely cope with my 9 30 starts, barely for no idea. Somewhere on the wall here, there is written V and J and Beth, who was our other Z liner, Friday Z line dream team 2021. It's good. Um, we're doing motor rap, aren't we? Yes. Okay. Let's cool. talk about motor science. Max, sorry you're not with us, but yeah, we miss LOL. you. And in your honor. <laughs> he's, again, he's face. not dead. He's just not he's here. He's just not here. Yeah, he's been left to. We've been left to our own devices. This is the. Here we go. Weird Max Science record. Weird Max Science. Weird Max Science, science recording. Um, yeah, we're gonna do some motor rap once I get my stuff together. Nice. Um, let's play the extended version of the motor rap. Oh, the the whole sting. I wrote this sting. So this is the story behind this. I think we've talked about this before, but it always bears repeating. I um, I was like going to sleep. It would have been a stressful week. It was like two or three a.m. and suddenly I just like bolted upright and I was like. I have to write a rap for the motor rap because because Max had named he usually names it um, I don't know something and he called it the motor rapport that week and I was like you can't just call it the motor rapport and not and not have a rap to go with it otherwise it makes no sense so yeah at like 3am and I recorded this um, at like <laughs> I went oh to sleep God. after I wrote the lyrics and then I woke up at like 6am and recorded the and it sounds my voice is like I'm so tired oh my um, god but it I was it. it just came to me in a fever dream and I had to write it down so that's, that's the story behind this sting let's give it a spin uh. and then we'll <laughs> 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 I'm just saying it doesn't elude 6am uh, 3am like kind of writing so it seems really professional Jay yes so. thank you it's one of my favourite parts of working <laughs> the Wednesday Z lines was hearing this that's when I knew it was time to go home because the deal <laughs> anyway here's the full intro and then we'll send it to Max who will do his uh, yeah murder up 
Okay, it's time for the best part of the show. Loosely defined as science, yeah, you already know. Everybody listens to four triple Z just to hear us talking about what Butters just did. Subscriptions just keep rolling like the tires on a car. But something tells me that our science careers won't go far. But unlike an engine, I will keep you in suspension. We're all here to hear him talk, so let's give him attention. You're not ready for when he starts rapping. Gonna hand the mic to Max, and I'm not talking Van Staffen. Lights out and away we go. MotoGP happened last weekend. George Martin won the Japanese MotoGP. The race being stopped at just over half distance due to torrential rain at Motigai. A planned restart was abandoned due to the conditions, meaning Martin is now just three points away from reigning champion Francisco Bagnaia and the title lead. Bagnaia and Marc Marquez completed out podium. Marquez claiming his first Sunday podium since Phillip Island last year, which is almost a year ago. Because more than half of the 24 laps had been completed, full points were awarded. The next MotoGP race is the Indonesian Grand Prix at Mandalika, which takes place on October 13-15. And for those wondering about Aussie Jack Miller, he finished an impressive sixth on his Red Bull KTM. Jack was hoping to finish even higher if there was a restart, which unfortunately never eventuated. The 2023 Bathurst 1000 happens this weekend, so strap yourself in for a great day of racing on Sunday. For those not that interested, you can always tune in for the last bit of the race, say from 3pm onwards. Usually a safety car intervention towards the back end of the great race, and then it's a sprint to the finish which always proves to be entertaining and generally unpredictable. Well, let's hope so anyway. The Valtteri Bottas and Roman Grosjean report. Last weekend, Valtteri was plying his racecraft, but this time on two wheels instead of four. He cycled in the gravel European Championships, competing in the Masters 19 to 34 years category. He tweeted after the race, survived, tough but enjoyable gravel Europeans, Happy to make it to the finish and gain some experience riding around midfield on the fast and technical 131km course. Thanks for all the support on the course. Happy face. He also tweeted that Tiffany Cromwell, his Aussie partner, went on and won the women's race. Meanwhile, the Phoenix, Roman Grosjean, also tweeted, had almost an entire apple pie, feeling a little full, but confirm it's my favourite desert. I think he means dessert. He also tweeted, off-season training working, resting heart rate back in the 30s. Job done. I wish I had a resting heart rate of 30 beats per minute. Formula 1 this weekend, it's in Qatar. I don't think Daniel's racing, so we'll have to wait a few more races before we see Daniel back in the AlphaTauri seat. And that's it for the Mudder app. This way. Thanks so much, Max. And I can't wait to see Daniel Ricciardo back behind that wheel. We have a special guest in here, if his headphones can connect. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but first and foremost, just thank you for everyone who's texting in as well. We've had Chris, you were headed off to bed, a natural night shift worker. And all you night shift workers, please go to bed. Be nice and refreshed <laughs> for your shift tomorrow. I hated working nights. Um, and Robert also said he wanted, they wanted to know um, people's opinions on the bush turkeys. And mm. I think our special guest is connected now. <laughs> so, hey, Ian. Hello, everyone. It's a pleasure to be on No Idea, finally. Um, <laughs> filling, no Idea on 4 Z. Filling in for Max 
another another three letter name for another three letter name. <laughs> there we go. And, and you... that was an enthralling segment, wasn't it, by Max? Yes, yes. it always is. He's yeah. a master of um, storytelling. I noticed, like, um, just just in the atmosphere in the studio, there's not as much. I don't know, I'm just trying to do a qualitative <laughs> measurement here and um, I, I think there's not as much tension. I don't know. Like, <laughs> um, maybe it's my soothing presence. Oh, I don't yes. know. I, and, 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 like, we can't... I don't know what the independent variable is here. I think it's Gabe. Oh, now okay. that Gabe's um, gone. Right, okay, <laughs> the right. omnipresent... The lack of omnipresent Gabe who just speaks <laughs> into the speakers. Yeah. I think there's... Yeah, yeah, it is a bit like that. What is the independent variable that makes no idea tick? That's what I want to mm. know. Yeah, but anyway, I'm just barging in and I just Max is not here to keep me out, so <laughs> um, I'm you? in here... <laughs> I'm in here. It's a, you two are doing such a great job. But Thank anyway, you. Thank you for joining us on the Jizzy episode. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't uh, have used that term, <laughs> but, like, um, yeah, great. No, yeah, we're happy to have you in here. Ian, what's your... You voting what on, bird? What bird? What bird would you vote on for Australian what? Bird of the Year? I love the magpie. Look, and, and I'm okay. not I'm not saying um, that because Collingwood won an <laughs> AFL Grand Final on the weekend. I'm not a Collingwood supporter. I've got all my teeth. And... Uh, <laughs> And, uh, and, you know. Uncancelable. So, <laughs> sorry for all you Collingwood fans, but, you know, that, that's, that's, you know, it's just in the vernacular. But, um, yeah, no, I love the magpie and they're a very adaptable bird and they really adapt to the urban scapes of, of Brisbane. And I can hear their little songs, you know, territorially, just singing to each other. I'm here. Don't come in. Everyone says, that's such a lovely, <laughs> such a lovely song, but it's territorial at the same time. And they're very smart birds. They never forget. So if you're kind to a magpie, that kindness will be returned by them not attacking you during uh, spring Unless when there's nest. small child yeah. riding on a bike, <laughs> in which case you're their favourite snack. Yeah, yeah. So they, they're, they're, they're very smart in terms of identifying humans mm-hmm. that, are, that are nice to them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, very, yeah. I, Have you been swooped? Oh, I remember, like, I, I was a country kid, right? Mm. And, I, and I, I was in going to school in Toowoomba, and I'd never encountered the magpie before <laughs> from where I came from. And I was walking to school one day, and it was just sheer terror for, like, ten <laughs> minutes. Like, it was, like, this magpie coming. And I was going, what the hell is happening? <laughs> and, and the second time that same terror happened was I was with a girlfriend at uni, and it was a... And, and I kind of knew this plover was there. And I went, uh, I think plovers swoop. I'm not going across there. And she goes, let's go across. And I went, I don't think this is a very good <laughs> idea. And anyway, um, cue to two minutes later, she's screaming and crying <laughs> in the middle of this field. And the plover's coming in. So, you know, magpies, I rate above the plover. I think the plover yeah. can be very nasty. Yeah, mm, uh, that's true. And the magpie is just, I don't know, just a smart bird. I appreciate intelligence. That's why I'm here on No Idea. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I think one magpie versus the three of us would be a bit of a challenge, actually. Yeah, we'll need that ideal ratio of sustenance. Yes, the ratio, yes. Um, We talked, yeah, humans versus hyenas earlier. But humans versus magpies, that's what I I want to see science provide me. Wow. How many zip ties would it take? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, if you don't, they don't know you, and you're riding into that area, mm. then yeah. you haven't built a relationship. So, voila. Uh, so, learn. Be nice to your fellow magpie. That's or right. Else. Yeah. Or else. <laughs> or else. Or else. Yeah. yeah. Or else the wind. Maybe. The bird maybe if you vote for them, 
you could say you could you know there's a magpie coming towards you it's like I voted for you for <laughs> <laughs> better the year leave me alone <laughs> I'd love to see I voted for magpie 2023 yeah. like little pins yeah oh. I go for Collingwood leave me alone <laughs> <laughs> I love you I love you anyway but I don't have a dental plan <laughs> no no I'm kidding get off I'm the, kidding get yeah off yeah I'm cancelled I've no idea now that's it get out of here well wasn't there a dark mirror thing about this too I feel like I've seen something on dark mirror about dreams that's the one. Yeah. yeah. Dark, <laughs> Mirror. Dark, Dark Mirror. Dark Mirror. That's the DC <laughs> version. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like there was an episode. Of <laughs> uh, even when they're not here, they're still with us. That's uh, the sound of Gabe and Max and V. Other hosts on this wonderful show, no idea, on 4 Triple Z. But today it's just us. It's just me, Jay, and Izzy. Hey, Izzy. Hey, Jay. What's up? <laughs> no, sorry, I lagged physically for a second. <laughs> All right. And I have a little story for you. Okay. Yeah. The story that I have, what killed the dinosaurs? Um, oh, big old meteorite. Big old meteorite. Well, that's what they thought. <gasps> oh, my God. <laughs> no, it's actually long been debated um, what exactly killed the dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. The leading theory for the most amount of time has been this meteorite. Mm -hmm. The other theory that's been bouncing around in the paleontological world... Actually, I don't think that's right. Paleo... No, no, because paleontology isn't that, like, bones and... I don't know if it's, like, necessarily dinosaur research. Is there another word for dinosaur? Dinocology. Dinocology. (laughs) Dinocology. In the dino (laughs) fandom... Big news for dino in the dino Dino fandom. lovers everywhere. Um, dino heads. Um, <laughs> the other theory that's been rolling around the dinosaur fandom for a little bit has been the idea that it was volcanoes, giant volcanic okay. eruptions that took out the dinosaurs. And scientists have decided why not, instead of us trying to figure this out, why not hand it over to machines? So they got um, computers to run a whole bunch of calculations. They So this sort of um, research would usually take about a year. Mm-hmm. They set up 128 computers <laughs> that were um, doing the calculations parallel to each other, which meant it only took a couple of days in the end. Whoa. Yeah, okay. streamlining that science. And what they found is that the asteroid impact did not release enough CO2 um, to have caused a mass extinction event. They reckon no. No, okay. Not enough dangerous gases came out of that thing, (laughs) out of that explosion. Still um, its best. To have caused the widespread carnage that um, that occurred. Instead, what they reckon it was were the... Deccan Traps eruptions. So these were volcanic eruptions that happened over literally a million years. A million years of just eruptions spewing out massive amounts of really deadly gas across Western India. And they reckon over that million years it Mm. built up enough that it got to the point where there was a mass extinction event. Now, there is sort of research to... There's, like, scientific evidence to back this up. They've been found um, deep in the ocean, deep, deep in the ocean. <laughs> um, core of sediments there have shown... Um, they look at, like, little microorganisms that have been preserved in that sediment. Oh, cool. um, and the shells, the mm. shells can tell us how much 
CO2 was in the air at that time and the shells show that, <laughs> that there were giant <laughs> amounts of deadly gas in there. So it does back up the idea that there was just like heaps and heaps of really toxic substances in the air around that time. Yeah, so it's interesting stuff, but other scientists are pushing back. Other scientists have been saying, no, I don't believe that that's enough evidence to say that um, there's... um that it wasn't the asteroid. So Mm. Sienna Peterson from the Uni of Michigan, which is a QS ranking of... Ooh, US of Michigan, uh, 120. 33. Oh, God. But that was close. That was close. She says that... That's not close, Jay. What the... <laughs> Stop, my. I was trying to be... I was trying to be nice to you. No, don't. <laughs> she says that just because the asteroid maybe didn't uh, release a whole bunch of toxic gases doesn't mean there aren't other deadly impacts. For example, the cloud. So we know that, yep. yeah, the yep. whole thing with the asteroid is that it kicked up so much dust into the air, it dimmed the sunlight by up to 20%, mm. and maybe that's why um, the dinosaurs didn't quite make it through. The other thing she said is that just because it um, it didn't release as much gas, mm-hmm. it was also an instant thing. Like, that asteroid yep. crashed and instantly released whatever amount of toxic gas that mm-hmm. came with that explosion. Um as opposed to the eruptions, which produced way more toxic stuff, but over a million years. Yeah, okay. Because yeah. I was going to say, the like, Venn diagram between your meteorite and this theory of the volcanoes yeah. is that cloud and is that kind of like... Because everyone says it's not the meteorite that killed them, it's the clouds of like that yeah. covered everything, killed all the plants, and then therefore killed the dinosaurs. Yeah. So... That would be interesting. I want to see what like the ice the carbon captures mm. say about that. Yeah, because be you could really you could look at that as like, oh, this was the moment where a million toxic like all of it built up, but also like instant meteorite death as well kind of sucks. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there you go, there you go. Um, computers, computer says no to the ast- asteroid. Computer says it was volcanic eruptions, but other scientists are still asteroid heads. They're still Team mm. Asteroid. And yeah, <laughs> nice. Right. Yeah, I got a question for you. Yes. The latest expedition team on the ISS, the International Space Station. Station. What number expedition do you reckon it is? Thirty. Oh, I thought you gave for your favourite number. Sixty-nine. It is. It is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I just I love hearing Izzy every time we play that sting I just love hearing the way that you're like I had to like turn my body away from the mic because if I did it into the mic it would blow it out so it's really beautiful that's the kind of energy that we carry here on no idea your weekly dose of science news on 4ZZZ the best radio station on earth you know what we've had some great um times in this studio today <laughs> and just some so great conversations a- from um, some of the folks that have been texting in talking about birds, the different birds we're going to vote for. We didn't answer Robert's question, by the way, for oh, bush turkeys. Yes, people's or- opinion on bush turkeys. You, you want to know my I- favourite bush turkey story? Oh, yeah, go ahead. So I was at Lone Pine Koala Sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Lone Pine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was pretty young and my sibling was even younger. We were probably like, I don't know, nine and seven or something like that. Okay. Um, and my little sibling had a hot dog. Yeah. yeah, you know where nice, this story nice. is going. Yep. Um, bush turkey came along, jumped, just leapt at my sibling, um, trying to steal this hot dog. My sibling freaked out, was really upset, um, and uh, 
someone that we were there with chased away the the bush turkey. Oh my god! Well, then we had a park ranger come up to us and be like, "How dare you abuse oh the birds?" And like, oh this is god. you you if you do that again, you'll be asked to leave the park. And it's like, whoa, whoa! I can imagine. I can imagine that they mm. probably have people mucking around with the birds. Mm. But in this case, the bush turkey was literally trying the to antagonize my siblings. So, oh my lord. You know that, like, hydrogen bomb versus coughing baby theme? <laughs> but it's, like, one bush turkey versus seven-year-old child? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Holding dude, a hot dog? so feral. Oh, man. Yeah, we see so many near, like, the Onongra Creek kind of area, mm-hmm. catchment. Yeah. Um, they are so... They're so loud as well. I don't know what it is. Just hearing... Like, listening at night, just hear... <laughs> as they're, like, just, like, walking around. Also, weirdest... I live in, like, what, near Ashgrove, where yeah. there's a lot of, like, there's, like, a little street area and whatever. They look both ways before they cross. <laughs> you think I bush remember walking home from school and looking over, and this bush turkey was, like, <laughs> and then crossed over. They're learning. There you go. They're I, good role models. I love their nests, I will say. Yeah. When you see, like, a big old mound. And they're so impractical because, like, barely any of their eggs survive. Yeah. Because snakes and goannas just come in and go, like, nice, a giant, very easily recognisable mound of, of bird eggs and just eat them. <laughs> and I think only, like, 10% of the, the mm. eggs survive, which is ridiculous, but I love it. I think it's... It's They're so silly and so goofy yeah. and a very happy resident of Brisbane as well. They just do their thing. Yeah. They're crossing roads. They're paying... I bet they pay taxes. You they reckon, seem like... The bush if they taxes? were, like, real, they'd probably... They'd <laughs> shop they were real. If they were... No. Oh, God. If bush oh. were real, they'd pay taxes. That's our opinion on bush turkeys. Let's leave it there before we say anything even more oh, stupid. <laughs> But if you want to join the conversation, 0420-626-733. And if you want to join in the conversation and um, have your name read out, you should be subscribed. You should. It's so simple and so easy. You could do it with your eyes closed. Go to mm-hmm. 4ZZZ.org.au forward slash support. We have so many different options for so many different people. You can do as little as... You can sub your, your dog. You yeah. can do your whole household. Your you pet. can be a super and sub. Then you, then you get like a little 4ZZZ collar, um, like a little thing you can put on the collar, which I really want because I want to subscribe my bird. I want to subscribe my, my dog. Lorikey. I'm so, um, that would look so drippy on your little right. head. He would love that thing. He would throw it around and chew on and it. And jingle and, it. Oh. Yeah, exactly. That's so cute. But yeah, I want to put a pet collar on a bush turkey and call... I'm going to sub a bush turkey. There we go. There we go. <laughs> I'm, I'm wearing my... You dripped... Yeah, you and um, Dave next door are matching yes, with your 4ZZZ merch. Look at you two. Look, it's so cool. We, we got by subscribing. <laughs> I subscribed at the passionate level. You can subscribe subscribe full is 70 70 dollars but a concession 35 under 18 20 dollars and confirmed with dave pay it forward is fully up and going right now so if you've got a little bit of bang um buck i meant sorry my (laughs) god if you got a bit of cash throw it at someone who may need some support for your subscriber and that includes students and prisoners as well for the locked in show yeah so if you want some warm ear glow the best skincare routine you can get around (laughs) brisbane sub that's true because not only do you get your name read out Mm. A little parasocial relationship with your favorite radio host. That's true. Host. Yes, you get uh, discounts. We know you personally. Yeah, we do. Um, <laughs> we're in your wall. No, um, we're subs. You get discounts. You get a bunch of fun stuff. You, you get even little go emails. There's little prizes. Monthly prizes Monthly as well. Prizes I'm not sure what the lucky subscribers. Yes, Me either. But that's fine. But you'll find out because you're subscribed and you're in the loop. Anyway. And 
Anyway, that was our little sub drive. That was our little sub drive. You're Tick. listening to No Idea by 4ZZZ. And about this time, every week we usually get into space news. Max isn't here with us today. He's not dead. He's just not no, here. No, he's, he's not dead. He's <laughs> not here. Um, he's doing his own little thing. But he has sent in some space news for us. So let's have a listen to it. Yes. All right. Take it away, Maxie. No Idea Space News. Chinese Space Station. Last week, we saw astronauts aboard the Chinese space station demonstrating the lighting and burning of a candle. In low Earth orbit, the flame burned in a spherical shape as compared to the teardrop shape seen back on Earth. Astronauts on the ISS must be marvelling at how cavalier the Chinese astronauts are, being allowed to light up. This is because strict protocols were adopted by the US and Russians after a significant fire broke out on the Mir space station. It all happened on February 24, 1997, where six crew members aboard the Russian space stations faced significant danger when a fire ignited in an oxygen-generating system. The searing flame, lasting several minutes, not only cut off access to one of the two Soyuz escape vehicles, but also filled the station's modules with smoke. Although the narrow confines where the fire occurred made fighting it difficult, the crew prevailed and extinguished the flames with no damage to the station's structure. The station's life support systems cleared its atmosphere of toxic smoke over several hours with no lasting harm to the crew members. The lessons learned from the incident were passed on in the design and operations of the International Space Station. HALO, which stands for High Altitude Low Open Parachute Formation Jump, five skydivers, including 73-year-old Private astronaut Larry Connor lifted off aboard a 35-metre-tall balloon, reputedly the largest ever manufactured in the United States. They took off from Roswell around sunrise last Thursday morning. The balloon reached an altitude of 11,500 metres, at which point the jumpers exited the perfectly good balloon and linked arms in a five-person formation before separating and landing roughly 22.5 kilometres away from the launch site, the team, known as Alpha 5, successfully completed the highest ever halo formation jump with an observer from Guinness World Records making it official. Psych. We will have to wait another week until we see the launch of a Falcon Heavy. For those unfamiliar with Falcon Heavy, it uses a configuration of three SpaceX Falcon 9 boosters instead of just one to propel its payload into space. It was all set for tomorrow, but it has been delayed by a week while they sort out a nitrogen coal gas thruster issue. The 1.2 billion psych mission will study a bizarre metallic asteroid of the same name. If all goes according to plan, the spacecraft will arrive at the 280 kilometer wide space rock, which resides in the main asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter by 2029. Scientists think psych maybe the exposed core of a protoplanet, the building blocks of worlds such as Earth, whose rocky outer layers have been stripped away over millennia. SpaceX last Friday saw SpaceX reach another milestone for the number of launches in a calendar year. And that number, Izzy, is... 69. It is. It is? It is. 
<laughs> Thank you, Max, for sending that one in. And we got a lot of texts. People are very opinionated People, about bush turkeys. People have strong feelings about bush turkeys, and I can't blame them. Um, we had one person text in to say, God bless the bush turkeys. Real. And then said that they have a tame bush turkey that comes into the veranda to check herself out in the mirror, preens herself, fluffs her tail out, examines herself critically, like, am I getting fat? <laughs> She's gorgeous and feeds from my hands. Aww. That is so cute. Kind of the opposite reaction from Robert. <laughs> Robert, I've been loving the bush turkey questions. Please do read out, Robert. Robert texted in to ask, how do we keep them out? <laughs> how do we keep bush turkeys away from parts of the garden that you want to protect and treasure? Very fair. They are cute little critters, but destructive ones as well. So we did some Googling. Yeah, Robert has already tried or, or has heard that a mirror... Mm-hmm. And hanging teddy bears around the garden can help. Izzy, is that what you found? I did find that. I also found a, a very interesting gardening blog that just said, cron- like, concrete at all. Just... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Which well, is really funny, <laughs> which is just like, if you hate the birds more than your garden, then just concrete the garden, which quite. I wouldn't recommend, Robert. <laughs> Please don't concrete your lovely garden. But yeah, mirrors, chicken wire as well over your um, plants. And someone suggested like little bells as well, because bush turkeys, Ooh. one thing about bush turkeys, they are scaredy cats. And that's like, a cute little and vibe to your garden. Yeah, little it does. A garden. little whimsicalness. Yes. So add a bell or see if you can add some shiny things to your garden, because they don't like change. That's the big thing. So maybe just add some more decorations. Get some fairy lights in there. So, yeah. Thank you for the bush turkey talk. Thank you for texting in, everyone. Thank you for joining us over these past two hours as we've talked heaps of science. This has been the Jizzy edition. Get Jizzy with it. Get Jizzy with it. The Jay and Izzy takeover. Uh, Thank you to Max for sending in all your stories. Thank you to Gabe and Peter for sending in your stories as well. Peter, congratulations on graduating Masters of Marine Science. Woo! And we'll see you all next week. Yeah, this is no idea for this Wednesday. We've uh, just got one final text in. Oh. Saying put mesh around the uh, sensitive plants. So there you true. go. True. Yeah, yeah, your chicken mesh is Another probably Another batch for the mesh. Easy. Yes. Thank you all so much for listening yeah, in. Thank we'll- you, Jay. Thank you, Izzy. Well, have a great Wednesday, everyone. And um, don't forget, yeah, text in next week as well. Come on back when we have the full crew. Mm, and we can talk about the results of that bird poll. Oh, there's also a... Oh, very, bird very festival. quickly. Bird. There is a bird festival happening in Cleveland, Saturday, um, October 14th. Yes. Um, and it is called the Welcome Home Shorebirds Festival, and it is to celebrate the return of migratory birds, Woo! Uh, which I found out about through 4ZZZ. Nice. Keep oh, your eyes and such ears. such a great radio station. Love community radio. Anyway, community we're going to get radio. out of here, but um, see you next week. See ya. I'm a goddamn marvel of modern science. science. science.